My name is Owen Walsh, and this is the Brussels Beer City Podcast. So this is the final episode of the first season of the Brussels Beer City Podcast, and the first one where COVID has finally thwarted our efforts to record an interview. As you'll hear in today's episode, this week's interview took place not in my guest's favourite bar, but from the comfort of our respective living rooms. Brussels is right in the middle of a month-long COVID lockdown with bars, cafes, restaurants all closed, so we had to be a little bit creative on this one. We did our best to keep the mood positive, even if COVID talk did sneak in towards the end of the interview. And as I mentioned, it's also the last episode of what is just the first season, I hope of many, for the Brussels Beer City podcast. In addition to putting the whole thing in limbo, the current COVID context may mean some tweaks to the format if or when a second season does appear, hopefully early in 2021. But regardless, thank you for listening, and I'd love to hear your suggestions for guests for future episodes as I'm already getting started putting the roster for next season together. So get in touch on the usual social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find me at Owen Walsh or at Brussels Beer City. And on to our guest. Anna-Laura Grumman is a Brussels-based Belgian politician and the leader of the parliamentary delegation of the SPA, the Flemish Social Democratic Party, in the Flemish Parliament. Over Zoom, Anna-Laura talks about her early student adventures after moving from Leuven to Brussels. She also talks about whether or not she would qualify as a stereotypical dancer at Flaming, why Brussels is never boring but why its untapped potential led her to her political career and her focus on educational opportunity, and the different stages of COVID lockdown and juice mania that she went through earlier on this year. Enjoy the episode. Hannah-Laura Grumman, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Glad to be on the show. Um, now, under ordinary circumstances, this would be the question I would ask to my guest is, where are we? But uh, as I've already said, um, we're actually not even in the same room. I'm in my apartment. You're, you're where you are. Um, but in the spirit of the show, where would we be if we could meet under different circumstances? We would most definitely be in uh, Café de Coq. Um, very close to um, the Bourse, which has been my mm-hmm. favorite pub in Brussels ever since I, I arrived here now about 12 years ago. I have to admit that I mm-hmm. don't go as often as I went in the first five years of my residency in Brussels, <laughs> but it's still among uh, one of my absolute favorites. So what is it about the place that you like? I don't know. It's just such a, a typical bit gruesome, um, dirty, um, but extremely cozy pub um, of the type where you could, and I guess still can, walk in at pretty much every moment a day and see somebody that you meet, uh, that you know, um, because I like the anonymity of the city, but at, mm-hmm. at the same time, I really like the fact that in um, Le Coq, there, there would always be someone that I kind of knew and that would always end up um, in very long, random sessions with lots of beers. And, and I, I love that. Um, now, this isn't to throw stereotypes around, but Lecoq is, you could qualify that as being in the, da- in the Dansart neighborhood, couldn't mm-hmm. you? Yes. Would you, cons- would you, I mean, for those uh, listeners who aren't aware, there is a stereotype in Brussels of the Dansart Flaming. <laughs> it even has, it even has its own Facebook page and, and, and its own uh, Twitter account. Uh, basically, uh, Flemish speaking uh, people from Brussels who live in the neighborhood and work in the creative industries. Um, obviously, I mean, you're, you're a politician, so maybe you don't necessarily qualify. But would you, would you have, uh, let's say, when you were frequenting there more often, would you have categorized yourself within that kind of 
planet yeah, Earth society? I, I, I'll admit, I think I, I at least did um, tick some of uh, the, the boxes uh, regarding being a dancer Vlaming. I think it's also just a phase that many people from Flanders moving to, to Brussels go through, uh, where mm -hmm. they kind of um, stick around and mingle with um, other Flemish-speaking or Dutch-speaking newcomers in Brussels. And then, um, yeah, Le Coq would be uh, absolutely um, a center of our interactions. So, yes, I... I I think it's true that Lecoq is part of the Dansar Vlaming spirit. Well, you've you've moved out to Scarbeck now. And we'll, I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit. And, and there's a different sort of a vibe there now as well, isn't yes. there? Yes. Um, but you, yeah, go on. No, uh, absolutely. I think maybe also part of the typical Flemish parcours uh, <laughs> <in the Brussels. laughs> is that you start up in the Dansar area um, to kind of get acquainted with the city, build up your network, um, have lots of fun, hang out in pubs. And then as you grow older, as I did, <laughs> you, want, you want more, uh, you want a bit more quiet and peace. And then you move out to a more residential area. So that's how yeah. I ended up in Scherbeek. So let's talk about your um, Flemish parkour. You're not from Brussels, you're from Leuven. Maybe yeah, talk it's... me through how you ended up in the city. Well, I am actually from Leuven, Leuven. So I've, I've lived, well, no, from uh, Kesselor, which is also more of a residential area outside mm -hmm. of Leuven. Um, but, well, I went to school in Leuven um, as they have a big university. I also studied in Leuven. Um, but I have to say that after 22 years in the lovely but rather provincial town of Leuven, and I say <laughs> this with all uh, the love in my heart, um, I kind of was fed up with walking the same streets literally for the 10,000th time. Um, yeah. and, and so um, after my studies, I, I went abroad. I studied in the UK. And so um, being part of this very international and diverse group um, made me feel that it was just impossible to go back to um, Leuven. And then um, Brussels for me was the only... Uh, really possible option because I still consider Brussels as the only real cosmopolitan city in Belgium. Uh, mm, I'm not going to argue with you on that <laughs> point. Um, I tend tend to agree, and you know, in my experience of knowing lots of people from Leuven, you really find out that there are kind of two people: either the people who grow up there and want to stay there forever, or the kind of people who grew up there and can't wait to get out. <laughs> So funny, so true, and I'm definitely in the second category. So you landed here, you said, about 12 years ago. Was that for work or was that for study? Still for study. Um, well, I, I just came out of a master program, and um, I was lucky enough to find a place as a PhD student at the Free University of Brussels. So it was the best of both worlds, really, because um, I could still study um, and do what I, I, I love, being um, reading, learning, meeting people, <laughs> exchanging ideas. But at the same time, I was paid for it. So, um, yeah, the, the I have to say the first two years of my life in Brussels were absolutely fabulous. Um, I, I enjoyed <laughs> the city in all its splendid um, uh, possibilities, um, even though I paid the price in the last two years because, well, clearly I didn't go... <laughs> far with my PhD in those mm -hmm. two years and then well you pay the price yeah 
But there's no shame in that. I mean, the world is full of people who never reach the end of their PhDs. Um, I did finish it, though. But ah, okay. Yeah, no, no. But <laughs> it's just that the last two years when I actually had to sit down and write it were, were um, a lot less fun than the first two years where I just was um, invigorating the city. <laughs> um, what's Brussels like for, um, you know, young students? Because, I mean, I've, I've only ever lived here as, as a working... Pr- it just makes me sound so old. Um, we're more or less the same age. <laughs> I've, only, I've, only, I've only lived in the city as someone who's working. Like, what's it like to be a student in the city? I think there's also, funnily enough, two kinds of students in Brussels, um, even though I really appreciate the efforts of universities to move all students in the second category. And the second category is is students that really want to explore Brussels and, 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 and feel the city. The first category being more of the students that just stay on campus. I studied at the mm. Bay, which is a bit out of the city center. And you could just tell there's a group of students that just like commute with a, with, from the train station right next to campus to their hometown every day. Um, and then you have the group that really like chose Brussels also because of the city and that wants to see as much of it as possible. So if you are in that category, um, Brussels is just full of possibilities. I mean, yep. it really is a city with a very vibrant nightlife with lots of pubs. Um, and even after 12 years, I still feel like I haven't seen all of it. So um, yeah, you, it it never it never bores you, and um, I had a really good time as a student here. Maybe a bit too much. <laughs> um, so having grasped those opportunities with both hands, as you described, um, was 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 politics? Was it always something on on your mind? Is something that you wanted to get involved in, or was it just something that sort of evolved naturally in and of hmm. itself? Well, I've always been somebody that. Um, maybe almost in an idealistic way, believed in um, the possibility of making the world a bit better, even though, even in, in very small ways. Um, I've always had this personal mission um, where I really think that, well, everybody should just have a fair chance in life to, to, to make something out of it. So that's always been there. So I always knew that I wanted to get engaged in some way. Um, but it was really Brussels and my move to Brussels that made me uh, make the step towards politics because it really is a city with endless um, possibilities, but hmm. also with a lot of problems. And I kind of got to the point where I thought, well, just shouting in, in, in the margins is not going to help. If you really want to <laughs> help make something out of all the possibilities that you see, you just have to sit around the table where all the decisions are made. So yeah, that's how it um, went. Well, we talk about, let's talk about those possibilities, those opportunities, and also those those issues. Like you said, I mean, you're from Leuven, you've lived for a time abroad. What is it about Brussels? What are those opportunities that you see that make it such a, the, the place where you've decided that you want to live mm-hmm. and work as a politician? Well, first mm-hmm. of all, I, I the city never bores me. And that just has to do with the fact that um, you just meet new people around every corner with very diverse backgrounds, all with their own stories, all with their own plans. Um, And I think that's an enormous uh, richness for a city and that's an enormous potential, Um, Mm. even though I feel that we still have a lot of work to help people realize um, their dreams, their plans. Um, so that has always attracted me in Brussels. It's such a young city, a, a, a city full of 
creative people, full of inter international people. Um, and I think we as a city should uh, invest way more in that um, because yep. it can really make us stand out. And it does not enough, or I don't think we do that enough for the moment. And is that why you focus so much of your work first in the Brussels Parliament and then in the Flemish Parliament on education? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that, that's really where it all starts. Um, you just see so many talents being wasted here in Brussels. I mean, it's it's such a, 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 a as I said, potential to have so many young people. If you compare it to, you don't, to the other regions, we, we really have the future. Um, but if we want to get or make the most out of that, we should make sure that all the, the children, the youngsters we have here have, have a fair chance. And you just can tell that family in which you are born today really decides on what your future is going to look like and um, I think that's just a waste and yeah. an enormous pity. And do you see progress in that? I know, I mean, we're talking, like, had we been talking, let's say, nine months ago, we'd been talking about a completely different situation. But mm. up until up until sort of 2020, you know, youth, un youth unemployment was going down. The city seemed to be kind of making progress. Is that is is that something true or is that just, mm. is it something that statistics show that doesn't necessarily reflect well, itself in day-to-day -day living? Optimism for, well, at least... Every po progressive politician is a is a is a moral duty. So <laughs> yes, I think we are making steps in the right direction. I mean, it's true what you say. Youth unemployment has um, been going down um, because of also a number of initiatives of the Brussels government, such as the youth um, guarantee, where we um, give young people that are unemployed for more than six months either a job or a training or a or a, or a traineeship. Um, so that's good, even though I'm as you said, a bit afraid of what the impact, well, not even a bit, a lot afraid of what the impact of, of yeah. COVID is now going to be. Um, but I won't um, hide from you that I still think that we have so much work when it comes to our education system, because you can't expect from a government to kind of make up for a lack of skill and a lack of language knowledge and a lack of of perspective at the age of 18 you have to start earlier and yeah. so we still both the flemish and the french-speaking community you know how difficult it is in brussels uh, still <laughs> need to make a lot more efforts to invest in our education here in brussels um yeah classes are too big um teachers don't really know where to start because they face so many problems at the same time i mean there is the diversity of language, which is an asset, but also a difficulty often in classes when you have children that speak a language at home, that learn French in the street, and then maybe learn Dutch in um, in school. I mean, that's that's difficult. Poverty, yeah. uh, poverty um, um, is, is just a huge problem. One out of three children in Brussels. So that reflects, that reality reflects itself in every class. Um, difficult family situations. So Teachers in, in schools in Brussels face enormous challenges and we really need to do more to help them because I, I often feel that they're very motivated but that they don't have the means that they need to, to yeah. really make sure that each child gets a fair chance. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, yeah, you see that much more than I do, but even with small kids at the moment, mm -hmm. you know, I see that with the, with the school friends of, of, of my children. Um, I mean, we touched on COVID there. How... 
how did you deal how did you experience you know the lockdown that we went through back in the spring um i think i went through phases like <laughs> so, so many people um in all honesty um the, i, I kind of liked the first two months of it um okay as in i also went through rather crazy two years with two election campaigns and then my new role in the parliament and I mean I, 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 I love it but it is very very intense and tiresome so I feel like for the last five years of my my life I've been out and about pretty much every weekend um, most of, of, of every weekday in the evenings you go places and you meet people and, and I love that but it, it was kind of nice to get a break from that and just be <laughs> home and like read a book or just watch some TV. Um, so it was nice to calm down, but um, that changed over summer. I really didn't like summer. Um, yeah. the fact that you had to be well, that you had to avoid contact. I don't like that in summer. It's the moment, especially also in Brussels. I like the holiday vibe where you go and yeah. sit out in parks and, and, and on terraces. You meet people all the time. Couldn't do that. Um, and so and 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 now I arrived at a point where I'm completely and utterly fed up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I obviously I, I see um, the the need and I completely respect the rules, but on a personal mental level, I cannot wait for it to be all over. Yeah, it's um, there's a fatigue there's a fatigue there now, isn't there? Yeah, just, totally. We we all just want to get off the roller coaster. <laughs> yes, and just and and get back in touch with people. I mean. Um, I'm, I'm an intrinsically social being. And mm-hmm. so having to think about every contact that I might possibly make with people is just, it's just horrible. And also as a politician, I mean, um, I feel I, I, for the first time in my career, I feel like I'm in an, in an ivory tower because I mean, yeah. part of my job and, and I like it is to just constantly interact with people to to hear what they think, to hear what they feel, to hear what their problems are. And now, like, I have to limit myself to social media, and it's just not yeah. the same. So, I mean, when you're not stuck in your ivory tower in the Flemish parliament, and you're not... <laughs> this is and you're not, only due to COVID, by the way. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And when you're not, uh, you know, drinking yourself... Um, in, um, no, not drinking <laughs> no, yourself, no, stupid, but... Not when you're, when you're When you're consoling yourself in Lecoq... Um, where do you like to hang out? I mean, I, obviously you live in Scarbeck. I mean, you've lived in lots of different parts of the city. Where do you enjoy spending your time? Um, I like, um, I still like the city centre. I, I just, I, I go there often just to have a drink. Um, I'm a big fan of exploring the um, restaurant and cafe culture in Saint-Gilles and Ixelles. Um, one of the things that I, I greatly um, appreciate about this city is that, as I said before, um, you can you, you will you, you never know everything. I mean, the, the scene keeps changing, so there's always something new to discover. And my great discovery from this um, COVID period is the um, Zonienwald. Um, oh, yeah. In, in French or in English. Well, you know, the big wood. Yeah, um, the big woods on the outskirts of Brussels, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean I'd been there before, but um, throughout this crisis, I've I've been going there all the time, and it is 
amazing. It's just this, it, it's not just a forest, it's a wood. It's, it's gigantic and it's yeah. very um, soothing and calming. So a uh, big tip uh, for everybody that wants to get away from the daily rush of, uh, of city life. Yeah. And I mean, have you ever thought like, is there a place if it wasn't Brussels and we've established it, it's not going to be living um, mm-hmm. somewhere where you would find your, you could find yourself living. You know, <laughs> we talk about. Yeah, no, interesting question. Um, I am very much a city person, so yeah. it would have to be city. Um, and again, as much as I appreciate Leuven, I think I've, I've grown that. Um, so, also, similar cities like Ghent don't really um, appeal to me. So, yeah, if I had to choose, but I, 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 um, I want to stress that I really don't want to leave Brussels. But if I really had to choose, I'd probably choose Antwerp. Um, oh, really? Yeah, just because I mean, it's 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 cleaner than Brussels. It's not as <laughs> as as crazy. But uh-huh. I mean, there's also good things about it. I like the fact that it's a city at the water. That's what I miss in Brussels. Yeah, the canal that's true. Is not the same as um, the Schelde and the things they did with that. So um, yeah, I'd give Antwerp a chance. If we could move Brussels to the seaside, I think that would make it as a city. You know. <laughs> well, I vote for you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So what's next for you? What are you working on currently? I mean, I know you're working in the Flemish Parliament and the Education Committee. Mm-hmm. You're you're busy dealing with COVID. Like, what's big on your agenda for the upcoming next couple of months? Um, as my my whole um agenda has been so dominated um, by by COVID and, and rightly so. Um, what I will try to do um, apart from like following up on the crisis is to be a bit more proactive in my uh, education approach. It's, that is to say, I think what I really want to work on is good education for each child. Um, and so I am working on this project where I want to come up with an own vision, with an own list of proposals, how we can really and very concretely improve the education for all children so that it doesn't really matter to which school you go. Because that's one of the things that I that I often witness in Brussels that many parents try to send their kids to the same school because they have the impression that those are the good schools um, and other schools are considered as less good. Well, that should never be the case. Every mm. school should be good. And so the big question that I work on for the moment is what should we do? How can we organize our education to make sure that each school offers good education? Um, so that's my big project. And I am obviously going to consult with a lot of, of, of people to get new ideas. And ideally, but then again, there's Corona. Um, I already had planned up a big tour um, to visit schools all over, all over Flanders and Brussels um, and to meet up with a lot of, lots of experts. But I'll have to find a way to do that all online now. So uh, something yeah. Hopefully you won't up spend you won't spend um, end up spending your whole days on Zoom. Uh, nobody wants no, nobody, <laughs> in, nobody in my in my ivory tower. Well, yeah, I, no, I, nobody, I nobody, hope nobody that wants that for you. <laughs> um, before we go, uh, what we usually do with the guests is do a sort of a rapid fire. I ask you a question, you don't think, you just give me your answer. Um, they're all Brussels related. Nothing's nothing embarrassing. Um, so you ready? Yes. 
Okay. Uh, what's your favorite Brussels neighborhood? Um, well, my own neighborhood, Schaerbeek. Um, Place Collignon or Square Ambiorix? Place Collignon. What's your favorite Brussels restaurant right now? Um, Harvest. Um, Stump or Mussels? Ooh, tough one. Uh, oh. Stump. Um, Zwanger He or Jacques Brel? Jacques Brel. <laughs> Um, pills or hers? Oh, yeah. Now I'm not going to be the good Brussels uh, lady. I, I like <laughs> pills more. I am from Leuven. You have to. That's true. You are the home from the home of pills. Uh, with that, um, Hannah Laura, I say thank you very much for coming on the show. With my, with all my pleasure, it was uh, a lot of fun. And that's it for today's episode and for the first season of the Brussels Beer City podcast. It's been a hugely enjoyable experience for me and I hope you listeners have enjoyed it too. Unless the world collapses in on itself over Christmas, I hope to be back for a new season early in 2021. So keep an eye out on the various social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, for updates and more information. If there's anyone who you'd really like to have on the show next year, let me know through those channels and we'll see what we can do. And if you did enjoy the podcast over the last couple of months, please do rate and review on iTunes. It's really helpful and it means we can stay up in the top 200 arts podcasts in Belgium through into next year. For one last time, thank you to all of my guests who are on the show. Thank you to all of you listeners. And thank you especially to my wonderful illustrators, Crump and Herlinda DeMarle, for all of their excellent work on the podcast this year. Until next time, bye.